Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jonathan Starkey, and I am your landlord of that digital pub called Cheshire Matters. And what a week it's been. And on this edition tonight, we're going to be talking about safety of women. And I know that that is something which is very close to the hearts of all of us here in safety. So let's just check to see if our panelists are in, the regular panelists. Can I check? Mr. Trevor Nichols, are you there, sir? I am, Jonathan. And good evening, Cheshire. Welcome, welcome, sir. Mr. Stephen Ingram, are you there, sir? I am, gentlemen, and a very warm welcome to all of our listeners across Cheshire this evening. Hope you're all well. And our man, our stats man, the man with the calm voice that the ladies love. <laughs> That's what I've been told. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Hartley, are you there, sir? I sure am, Jonathan. Hello to all our listeners. Well, it's brilliant. We've got everybody there. We're all ready to rock and roll. Gentlemen, do you know that this is the last in the third series? How quickly did that go? I mean, wow. You know, so mm-hmm. here we are. It's now the 19th of March. We're coming out of the COVID lockdown. Lots of stories going on. Nicola Sturgeon, it's been found, has misled the Scottish Parliament, the committee says. Taxpayers are going to foot the bill for the post office IT fiasco. And another one that I actually picked up on is that laws are going to be introduced to make electrical appliances last longer and save energy. Now, I really want to move on to what I think is going to be the main story that we're going to talk about, which is safety of women. And this is amongst the calls for the resignation of Cressida Dick. And tonight is going to be Steve that's going to lead on this one. Steve, go ahead. Let's get it kicked off. Thank you very much indeed. I think, first of all, we all uh, send our wishes and condolences to the family of Sarah Everard, along with every other uh, victim of uh, such crimes. It's appalling the level of crime now in this country. My particular take on this at the moment is is this. and. Um, I have to say, I might come over a little bit old-fashioned in this sense, to be honest. And I'm going to look at this from a slightly different angle. First of all, the the attitudes of people, generally speaking, and their conduct and attitudes towards other people. And in my view, what this comes down to is the fact that what I consider to be traditional standards appear to be going out the window. And... This comes down to, it, it all stems from very basic things like respect and um, gentlemanly ways, shall we say. Now, we do live in an age where, to be quite honest with you, and I'm purely speaking as a man here, um, you even pay a compliment to, to a lady on how she looks her hair or anything like that, and it can be taken completely out of context. However, we're now in an era where everything is massively overplayed sometimes. However, I don't think it is. Because if you look at the way things are today in terms of the heavy sexual content in the media, the sexualization of children from a very early age through the sex education system, 
And to me, that's a big one. I just very quickly uh, run a little point on that. When I stood in the election in 2015, I brought this matter up because one of the questions surrounded the education system and the pros and cons and, and you know, the, the benefits, etc. the good and bad points. And I actually raised the issue of um, the sex education system in the schools, and I got a very warm welcome uh, for what I raised because I brought to the fore that the the extreme graphic content of sex education in our system today at younger ages, to me, is unacceptable. And I described it at the time, and I do so now, as the sexualization of the nation's children. And I think it's a shame on this nation. So we have this endemic culture now of the sexualization of, of children, and then that filters through the system as they get older. And then we have a, a lack of respect and I was brought up with very traditional ways, and I'm glad. Now, with regard to what's happened to Sarah Everard, I don't particularly want to talk too much about the semantics of that, and there's reasons for that, because um, it's going through a process. So I'm, I'm conscious of uh, anything uh, that may affect outcomes in terms of subjudice. So obviously there's lots happened in, in relation to that, one of the things that concerns me, uh, not just with the, the issue of Sarah Everard's death and the, the vigil and the consequences of everything surrounding that, is that we have a situation now in this country where something happens and it appears to be jumped upon for political purposes by certain groups. I, I give way to Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Come on in. Yeah, I've noticed that too, Steve. I mean, rather than paying respect, it appears the vigil and the protests were just basically taken over by radical leftists to uh, push their agenda. I just think rather than this one-dimensional thinking, which has led to, I mean, laughable suggestions of what, curfews for men and kicking off with the police, I think we've got to debate this issue calmly. Not blaming, you can't blame all men and all cops. It's just not. No, you can't, you can't. But remember now, you saw the pictures of those women that were actually put down on the ground by the police when they were being arrested. Yes, I know that women can be just as forceful as men when it comes to actually expressing themselves, but in, not in a physical way. Because a man, a big man, will always beat a big woman and in any kind of physical confrontation. And there's no need for the way to treat women in that fashion. There's no need. Go ahead, Mark. I can feel some sympathy for the police because they've been criticised for all they've done during these protests over the summer. So then they've totally banned them. Yeah. And it didn't matter who it was. They've turned up and said, you can't do this. Now they've got away with a little vigil. And then obviously after dark, all the unwanted pop up. and That's it. And that, yeah, that's what's happened. And I know that they've actually, I can, I can agree with part of that. But I don't agree with, you know, the forcefulness uh, with women. I mean, they, they were always known as the weaker sex, not for any other reason other than physically weaker. Physically weaker. Come on in there, Trevor. Yeah, I, I just listened to what Mark was saying there. Um, all the unwanted started popping up. I did notice on the videos, blokes were appearing from Delaware. Uh, I don't know what groups they were, they were with, but that is what started to, um, to, to go wrong on the night. Mm -hmm. That's what started the police police action right. on the night. So, you know, we, 
I think you need to look at uh, who those people were and, and go further into that. That's my opinion of it. Well, the thing, the thing that got me about it was that there were calls for the resignation of Cressida Dick. They're torn between a rock and a hard post, and I catch what Mark has said, because Pretty Patel has actually put into law so many different things, and I think Mark has already mentioned this before. So the police don't know whether they're coming or going. But I do think that a little bit of common sense is required when it needs must. And I think sometimes the police just don't really use that common sense. They'll allow BLM and other protests with no arrests, yet they'll manhandle these female protesters and make arrests. You know, so this is while statues are being pulled down. It's only now that we're actually starting to get laws introduced to actually make it such that you can get up to 10 years maximum for pulling down a statue. Steve, come on in there. I think the important thing here for me is I always remember and I understand that the situation with the police is that they are meant to be completely impartial uh, in delivering or upholding the law. Their role, in my view, and my understanding, is to protect life and property and to uphold the law. Nothing more and nothing less. It's very, a very serious matter, that. In my view, we have a problem at the moment, and part of the problem of the public's perception with the police at the moment, in my view, stems from what took place last summer. And I think it caused a great problem right across this country to see the police on the streets of this country kneeling. Yeah, without without a doubt, because they politicised the police force. And once that starts to happen, that's wrong. That's right. Now, I, I just want to stay with this point before Mark comes in, if I may. It's very serious, that. Now, none of us, you know, in this country, the vast majority of people do not support racism or engage in racism. It's as simple as that. The vast majority of people do not. Now, as honourable as a cause may or may not be, the very fact that police in this country, on the public streets from John O'Groats to Land's End in various parts of the country, took to the streets and in public kneeled on the floor is very significant. Okay, Trevor, do you want to come in and uh, wrap up on that conversation there? Yeah, I just totally agree. <clears throat> Again with Steve, you know, it's got to be looked at. I mean, I, I didn't like that myself to, to, to see that the police actually taking sides. That should not be happening. That. Okay. Mark? Yeah, I mean, Steve's raised some important issues, but I think there's some other questions that need to be asked. I mean, why now? Because of a male police officer murders a female, they're all men to be blamed. Now, I just think the selective outrage is appalling. I mean, when, when police officer Amjad Ditter was found to be part of a Halifax, Halifax rape gang, along with hundreds of other men in towns and cities across the country for decades, all men weren't to blame, all pe people from a certain religion weren't to blame. When kids were blown up in concerts, we were told, don't look back in anger. I mean, last August, Olga Freeman killed a disabled son during lockdown, and there was also a woman who cut the throat of a seven-year-old girl. She only on, ended up with manslaughter conviction. She could be out after eight years. It wasn't all women then, was it? I just think if they're trying to eradicate murder, which I'm presuming is, is that the end goal? Uh, to me, this seems a near impossible task. Yeah. It's just, we, we can educate over time and evolve, but more legislation 
and more hate crimes and virtue signaling just isn't going to change a thing. I don't think. Well, I think I think it's a subject that does, is deserving of more detail, and I think probably we will bring that up again in another podcast. Yeah. I think, Jonathan, I think we could probably do a, a special on this alone. Yeah, it is very possible. And if everybody's up for that, then yes, we will do that. Well, okay. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to move on to the local issue. And I think I'm going to be bringing in the gazelle to talk about politics in Warrington. <laughs> Go ahead, I think sir. Make a series of this and get it on Netflix. Are we going to are we going to start to bring in certain things like this at Warrington Borough Council? When do we plan to start? I think we could start any moment, Chairman. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, the gazelle. Will you stop talking? <laughs> Standing orders of Hanford. But will you stop talking? Yes, that's it. I think that guy was the hero in that situation. I really, he was standing up for proper process. No, I, I was with him all the way. I think Mr. Trevor Nichols is the hero of Warrington. He is the man. He is the man for Orford. Is that right, sir? Yeah. D- did they tell you that I'm standing in the... Um, the <laughs> yeah, I, I think you may have said this a good few dozen times, Trevor. To oh, us. There's, a, there's an election, is there? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, did you not know? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually standing for the author. Oh, right, right, right. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, this is nothing to do with me highlighting this, of course. This is just purely, as I say, it's an ongoing saga. Of course, you know, and and I'm sure that all the people in Orford are going to be right there, right there with you. Look, listen to them. Yes, go ahead, Trevor. I can hear them through the window. I heard that then. There they are. Did you hear him? Yeah, tonight I just want to highlight the uh, the the rank hypocrisy of the Labour Party in general. Again, again, That's, it, it's unbelievable. And Warrington Labour <laughs> Council. All the sound effects are coming in now. <laughs> all the things, all the production values of the program. Push that button. Push that button. Go ahead, Trevor. Hammer the buttons. Yeah, it's uh, the, the Labour Council. Uh, not the Labour Council, sorry, the Labour... Gov- um, well, <laughs> opposition, I nearly said the Labour government, then. It's a good job you're not speaking in council right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the Labour opposition. Uh, in, 20, in November 2019, they set out a 35-point plan to end the scourge of tax avoidance and tax evasion. Okay. They called it the Fair Tax Programme. Fair Tax. Fair Tax. The Fair Tax Programme, promising to raise more than $6 billion a year with measures including, you're going to love this one, offshore property company level. level. Now, this is the National Party we're talking about now. This is the Labour National Party. They're introducing measures including an offshore property company level. Great, this. Shop now, Warrington Labour Council, they bought Birchwood Park in September 2017 for an eye-watering £211 million. Pounds. Now, estimates at the time say that this was approximately uh, £30 million above the price, but not that that matters. The main point here... It's only taxpayers' money. It's only taxpayers' money. I mean, what's £30 million in that, that, that ocean? 
just disappears. It's almost like 37 billion on tax and trace by the Conservative government. Yeah, I think they're all, they're all as bad as each other, aren't they? The main point here is it was bought and it was held in an offshore company. You're joking. It was bought by Warrington Borough Council and it was bought and held in an offshore company. Sorry, Trev, just to clarify this for my for my understanding, because I'm slightly blown away. Are you telling us that the Labour Party had a policy to avoid offshore tax evasion nationally? That's and right. Labour's Warrington Council invested £211 million of public money in a local uh, investment, but did so through an offshore mechanism. That's exactly right, that's Steve. Good both. grief. Yeah. You, you couldn't write this stuff, could you? Well, they did. <laughs> and they signed for it. In 2019, the council leader said, the authority, now this is 2019, the authority had not reached a conclusion over whether to bring the business park onshore or not. How can they justify not paying their own taxes to us, the hard-pressed residents? Residents. Yeah, yeah, residents. I've got it written down here. I can't. That's cocking up. So what? Yeah, pressed. You mean you, you can read? Obviously, sir. We know okay, you can. Right. right, we'll have to go back there. Right. <laughs> right. How can they justify not paying their own taxes to us, the hard pressed, that have got to pay our own council taxes, which we pay to them, which go up year on year? It's just total hypocrisy. Do you want me to keep the sort of the paper shuffling in as a sound effect, sir? <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. Quick edit. Yeah. Steve, do you want to come in there? Yes. It's a very significant point, this. We're obviously talking about the tax element on this investment and it being offshore. However, my issue in relation to this is the following. Does Warrington Council have authority to move over £200 million of public money offshore, because that's significant. Well, do we have an answer to that, Trevor? No, that is the question. There are, well, lots, there are lots and lots of questions, actually. And that is still, that's still the status at this present time. So to today, they've still not moved it onshore, which is going to cost them extra tax, which they're not willing to pay. Right, OK, so... Are we saying there that there is a possibility that Warrington Borough Council are in the business of tax avoidance? Most definitely. Okay. Now, the deputy leader said that it's better not going to the government. You're joking. Oh, no, not. I'm like, I'm incredulous here. You're, say, you're saying that's what they said? A, quick... a, comment, a comment. Where? Where was the comment? It's in one of the local magazines. I've, I've, I've read it today myself. A comment from the deputy leader said that it's better to stay with us than to go to the government. What's the name of the deputy leader? It's uh, Kathy Mitchell. Ooh, she the one out of uh, one of the what, you know, like the sister of one of the one of the brothers in EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's what's happened is that she's obviously missing. The whole complaint was that the reason that they do these things is because they've got a a hole because of lack of funds from the government. Uh -huh. The government keeps reducing. The government keeps reducing the payments to, to local councils year on year. Yeah. Now, 
my my point on this is it's a little bit silly, really, because if they actually paid the taxes, they might get a little bit more back. <laughs> oh. Oh, any sense in that. Because you know these payments, these taxes that the, the the Labour Party itself, the National Party, stated it was going to recoup six billion a year via these these taxes. That pays for nurses, it pays for your teachers and all your services. Now she reckons it's better to stay within the council rather than go to government. Well, I think I'm going to sort of start bringing this uh, part of the conversation to a close. I'm just going to ask a question. Do you think that these Labour people, do you think they may be closet capitalists? Most definitely. <laughs> Come in there, Mark. I think the roles are reversed. They've got Steve now. He's a socialist and they're now the capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief, can we steer away from this label of socialists? It keeps him happy. <laughs> right, I'd just like to raise the question here regarding this for the people of Warrington in relation to the issue that Trevor is raising here. Right now... Warrington is probably in need of lots of public services and investment and various things in the town that are needed there right now, right? I would be asking the question in Warrington, like Trevor is, why is £211 million of Warrington Council taxpayers' money sitting offshore? Yep. And it's as simple as that. And the big questions are, why 1.6, 1.5, 1.6 billion in debt, you know, with further borrowing envisaged? Why? You need people like Trevor Nichols on that council to start asking those questions. Get that shovel out, Trevor, and get digging. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, okay. Now, we have an introduction, because we were going to have Woke on the Wild Side, but Mr. Ingram has made a plea. And the editor of this podcast has listened, and in their total magnanimous nature, they have granted his request. Go ahead, Mr. Ingram. Yes, I put a request in uh, to, literally, um, in relation to Woke of the Week, to cancel it. It's a victim of its own nature, its own cancel culture. So Woke of the Week is a victim of cancel culture because we've cancelled it this week, mainly because it's getting too much. We need a little rest from this endless nonsense. And if anybody is offended by the fact we've got no Woke of the Week, please get a cup of cocoa, sit on the cassette and cuddle a cushion because we're not having it this week. Okay, well, that's great. Now, we are moving on. We want to keep, keep the time on everything. Now, Steve... You've got your public figure of the week, and it's somebody from Blaken. Strangely enough. Go ahead. Uh, no, the, the lady's not from Blaken, actually. She's where is she from? from? Uh, well, Chester. I don't know exactly where in Chester. Well, that's near enough. Blaken is in Chester, so that's okay. No, but we have to be specific and, and proper. Okay. Um, well, Chester, but, then. Go ahead. Now, in the past, uh, I've been a bit of a runner myself, but nowhere near this level. And I've just got back into cycling. Now, various people do lots of things for raising money for charities uh, in various ways. This lady is called Montana Hull, and she is a teacher at Chester International School, 
and she's planning a 24-hour ultra marathon in May for two charities, which are Meningitis Research Foundation and the Orangutan Foundation International. Now, I know a lot of people do great things for charities, but that is one hell of an amazing achievement and a big feat to undertake. So She's your public figure of the week. Yeah, absolute great, that is. Okay, so you can't claim that she was from Blaken then? I never did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yes, well, you know, there you go. What can I say? Right, we're going to move on to the shout-outs or shout-downs, and we're going to go with Trevor now. Trevor, who is your shout-out or shout-down for? Yes, Jonathan, my shout-out this week is for Boris Johnson. <gasps> what? He doesn't get many. Shock horror. I can see the looks on the faces of the other guys here. Mm. Yeah, I'm Boris. going to get my, It's a good shout out for opening the barbers after the 12th of April. Trevor, I'm I'm looking at you now. I, I can't really see that you're in need of a haircut. A haircut. Oh. <laughs> it goes right down my back. You can't see it. <laughs> I'm like an orangutan, Steve. <laughs> 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 okay right okay mark i know that you've got a shout out and before you give that shout out let's see if anybody can recognize who your shout out is for ready madam deputy speaker this house criminalized the freedom of protest this house us not dame cressida not the metropolitan police we did we criminalized the freedom to protest collectively. We are up to our eyeballs in this. Does the Home Secretary, my right honourable friend, agree with me that now is the time to decriminalise freedom of protest? Not tomorrow, not next week, but this afternoon, this evening. Let's get people back on the streets. Let's allow people to get things off their chest again. Okay, Mark, take it away. Who is that chap? That chap is Conservative MP Charles Walker. He seems to get a few shout-outs off me, to be honest. But he's spot on again, isn't he? Parliament, of course, all these problems by taking our rights away. Not the police. But it seems it didn't really work because they've just gone and put more legislation through now, haven't they, about protests. So they'll carry on. Well, my shout-out is actually a shout-down. And it is against the HSBC Bank, who are not answering questions regarding a certain elderly lady in Ellesmere Port who has been receiving cards care of her address. And she's extremely worried now that the cards are a scam. And HSBC hasn't quite really been coming up with the answers. So my shout down is against HSBC. Let's end on a positive one. Have you got a shout out, Mr. Ingram? Yes, I have. Uh, and uh, I think uh, our postmen and postwomen are quite often unsung heroes. They do a lot of great stuff for people out there. Uh, and they do the job in all weathers. And uh, I just think it's a service we quite often take for granted, to be quite honest. So it's just one of those stoical things that happened in our country and has done for hundreds of years, and it's still there. Well, there we go, gentlemen. And anybody else that you know wants to identify as anything else other than a gentleman um, amongst our panellists, I don't know. Uh, they're we, all looking... We, go ahead, we've Mark. Been through, we, we've been through this, haven't we? <laughs> you should know by now. 
<laughs> last orders have been called. Last orders have been called. So we're moving on to some very good points made, some good conversations. We are now moving towards the end of the program. I'd like to thank you all for being here this evening. And wait a minute, why are you waving your pen again, Mr. Ingram? I haven't done the positives. You're going to do this. Yeah. You're going to do this towards in the outro, sir. Well, you made it sound as though you were going to finish then. That's right. I am. Okay. Good night, Steve. Well, you know, <laughs> does this every week. You need to give us some kind of signal as to when. Okay. Here's your signal. Happen. Good night, Steve. Right. Are we doing this then? Properly, Go on. Right? You want to do a positive. Go on. I thought we all had one. If we all got one. Well, you got positives. You got quotes. What are you going to do? You're going to pick one or the other. Come on. Make your mind up. Right. Uh, mine is a quote by Napoleon <laughs> Hill. <laughs> Oh, God. Smooth. I see too many of those Peronis tonight. He's upset with me because I paid him off a 50p bet with a postal order. He's never forgotten it. You can't believe that, ladies and gentlemen. A 50p bet that I had with him and he gave me a postal order for 50 pence. I'm never going to forget that. Okay, go on. What's your positive, Steve? It's a quote by Napoleon Hill. Great achievement is usually born at sacrifice. Sorry, born of sacrifice and is never the result of selfishness. Okay. All right. Well, you know, the lads, the rest of the lads are going to get some form of music now backing now. And here we go. Go ahead, Trevor. Yes, my short and sweet this week. It's um, let your smile change the world. But don't let the world change your smile. Quite apt at the moment. Oh, I like that. I think that's very good. See, yes, Steve, your impetuosity that. means you didn't get any music behind you. Your positive. To make sure people know when the music's coming in. <laughs> well, you, Mark, should have, you should have a system on here letting people know what's going on. Mark, go ahead. Make a complaint to Pub. Oh, we're on to him. <laughs> go ahead, Mark. My quote is by Hunter S. Thompson, and it is this. We cannot expect people to have respect for law and order until we teach respect to those who we have entrusted to enforce those laws. Brilliant. Well, my quote is as usual. Thank God that's all over. <laughs> Thank God. Can you get a new catchphrase at the end? No. <laughs> no, I'm a Christian, sir. Right. <laughs> Thank God. I, you know, what do you want me to say? Like Dave Allen. Thank God I'm an atheist. No, actually, talking about the 50Ps, that 50P postal which you're putting in a frame. Oh, yeah. I have a Brexit 50P and one sold for £400, allegedly. Well, all the digital pints are on, Steve. Good night, everybody. Good night, Cheshire. Goodbye. Here we go. Good night. Bye. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. You moaner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to finish. You never said. It does that every week. <laughs> I'm a ma- I do it every week. It's your memory. <laughs> it's your memory. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. You know, finish. Good night. Say good night, everybody. Good night. Are we good done? Night. Good night, John Boy. We are now. Good night, John Boy. <laughs>